May God the Holy Spirit fill us with great joy as again we are privileged to hear his always good news of the gospel, his gospel, for it is by the words of his gospel that we abound in the hope of everlasting life. Amen. The sermon text is the Old Testament reading, especially these words of Isaiah. Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. Some of you maybe are movie buffs, movie trivia fans. If you are, especially if you are a fan of the movie The Sound of Music, you may remember this scene. The captain and Maria are in that giant gazebo in the backyard of their estate, remember? And they had suddenly realized how much they were madly in love with each other, and everything was just going so wonderfully. And then they sang a song. With credit to lyricist Oscar Hammerstein, it went in part like this. And please refrain from joining and singing. Okay. Perhaps I had a wicked childhood. Perhaps I had a miserable youth. But somewhere in my wicked, miserable past, I must have done something good. Nothing comes from nothing. Nothing ever could. So somewhere in my youth or childhood, I must have done something good. That song is a great example not only of what we call in theology work righteousness. Hindus call it karma. It's also a, an example of the philosophy known as divine retribution. It's highly alluring because it's seemingly divine retribution offers us so much. It offers the satisfying hope that someday bad people will get theirs. Oh boy, I'm waiting for that. In the text and in the previous chapter, Isaiah shared God's plan how he was going to punish all the enemies of the Israelis. And undoubtedly that brought a lot of joy to Jewish people. And just as we rejoice to see bad people get punished today, whether we're talking about murderers or muggers, robbers or rapists, bad, crooked cops, judges, and politicians. I, I, I was listening to w, uh, WBBM radio on the way here this morning, and the report was that since 1971, 30 Chicago aldermen have been arrested and found guilty of, of uh, felonies. 30. Well, I was shocked. <laughs> really? In Chicago? Oh, you got to be kidding. No. Uh, we, we're waiting for those people to get caught, punished. We want them to be caught and punished. When bad things come their way, we figure they had it coming. And divine retribution offers the satisfying hope that good people will be rewarded. That's what karma is all about. Of course, ask anyone to make a list of good people, and somewhere, undoubtedly, they're going to be on that list. Often people say, I'm not asking for anything special in life. I just want what I have coming to me, at which time I usually say, then you better duck. <laughs> duck. So when many people see bad people getting punished and good people, like themselves, getting rewarded, that somehow offers them the assurance that a just God really is in control of life. So the Jews, who often suffered 
much at the hands of many. Well, there were the Egyptians and the Babylonians, and oh my goodness, it's gone on and on and on through modern day times, of course. The Jews who have suffered much grew to long for a Messiah who would be a just and holy judge. When the Messiah comes, he will straighten everything out. He's going to knock the heads of those who deserve to get knocked in the head. And he's going to bring us, the Israeli people, back to prominence. Because after all, we're his favorites and we have done something good. Just like Maria said. He will deliver justice an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In our text, Isaiah makes it clear that there is such a thing as divine retribution. That's what we read. Be strong. Don't fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. Now, if you're listening carefully, then you have to understand that this thing called divine retribution belongs only one place, and that's in God's hands. Never ours. That doesn't change the fact that the government is in charge. God has left the government in charge to rule the world by just laws. I'm not disagreeing with that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But in our own personal lives, we have nothing to do with divine or undivine retribution. And we, must, we would totally misunderstand not only this text, but all of Scripture and God's very nature itself. If we don't fail to remember that God's hands, first, last, and always, are always hands of love, grace, mercy. When people talk about retribution, there's usually nothing divine about it. Somebody's angry with somebody else and you just want to cut them. And what he did, she did to me is unforgivable. I will never forgive him. And you go, boy, aren't you glad God has never said that about you? Really? Throughout history, God has always sought for the good and salvation of all people. Have you noticed? That's a common thread running through everything. God sent Jonah, the prophet, where? Not to Jerusalem. He sent him to the Assyrian capital of Nineveh to call those awful, awful people to repentance because God did not want to punish them. And Jonah kept saying, no, 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 punish him, punish him, get him. And he just didn't get it. It's why God sent prophet after prophet after prophet to, yes, Jerusalem, because the people there weren't a whole lot better. And he didn't want them to be punished. It's why he called the hateful Saul to become St. Paul with the commission to go and spread my gospel of salvation to all the world, to all nations. It's why Jesus died to redeem all wicked people, all evil people, all people who have done things that deserve God's wrath and punishment, wicked people like you and me, all of us. None of us deserve anything good from God. All we deserve is his wrath and punishment. So never forget God's hands of love were nailed to a cross so that he would not punish us because he punished his son in our stead. 
That's why we Christians can look forward not only to the day of judgment, but to our own day of death. Should we die first? Odds are fairly strong, but who knows? We can look forward with confidence because our God is a God of amazing grace. We like to sing it, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. And I want God to save a wretch like me, but I don't want him to save that guy. And you go, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not to say that God won't eventually deal with sin and unbelief. Scriptures say clearly that one day Christ will return to be the judge of the living and the dead. We're going to say it in just a little while in the words of the creed, familiar words of the creed. Paul said, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. So rest assured, God's day of judgment is coming. But because judging and punishing is Jesus' job, we are not to assume that job now. That should never be our case in our lifetime. God couldn't be any clearer. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To that, Paul adds, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. You are commissioned by God to go out and spread as much good as you can. Well, not to everybody. Yes, to everybody. Well, but that person doesn't deserve good. <laughs> Neither do you. At his right time and in his right way, God alone will be the world's judge, jury, and executioner. When we seek revenge in the meantime, we're playing God. Basically, what we're saying is, God, I don't know if I can trust you to do the job, so I'm going to do it. In the meantime, God permits and even uses evil to work for our good. He's an amazing God, very strange. His promise is, in all things, whether you consider them good, bad, or indifferent, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We trust that when circumstances may seem evil and burdensome to us, he's still working his good. At times in this life, the, do, the good do die young. Have you noticed? Sometimes the evil do prosper. Have you noticed? Job certainly did. It's not because God is mean or paying out punishment against his own. Paul couldn't have been any clearer. Romans 8, verse 1, There is now therefore no condemnation. Condemnation means punishment. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Though I am guilty of sin, God looks at me as righteous and holy because of his son who died for me, paid for my sin, and who claims me as his brother. God uses our troubles not as punishments, but as means to call us to lean on his strength and to look to him alone for our salvation. That's why scripture says troubles are blessings in disguise for Christians. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you when people revile and persecute you because of me. Bless. 
Count it all blessings. James, who is our author of the epistle lesson for today, in the first chapter says, count it all blessings when you are being persecuted and when you suffer trials and tribulations of all sorts. Count it all a blessing. You go, really? <laughs> I, I can have lots of reactions to trials and tribulations. That's normally not my first reaction. Well, grow on it. We pray at all times for God's will to be done that we may grow in faith no matter what is befalling us, that the wicked and the unbelieving will not get theirs. Our prayer for the wicked and the unbelieving is that somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit can use some means to reach into their perverse lives and turn them around. He did it with Saul. He did it with you and me. That at the last, all that remains adamantly evil will be taken away. He will come to judge the living and the dead. And on that day, he will punish all that is adamantly, irrevocably evil. And all who are in Christ will be given God's unmerited gift of eternal life. When they say nothing comes from nothing, nothing ever could... You see, Maria and the captain were wrong. Sorry. Probably ruined the movie for you now, didn't I? No one ever earns God's blessings or good fortune. That's what that song is all about. Things are working out so wonderfully now. I must have done something good a long time ago, and God's blessing me now for it. That's not the way it works. It really isn't. At the cross and in his love, Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. That's not justice. That's pure grace. Let him be the world's judge and God. In his hands, retribution finally will be divine. All of us know people who are going through a rough time. Everybody here could make a list. It might be because they're sick, they're out of work, they're mourning. I got an email that put it this memorable way. One day a woman's husband died. And on that clear cold morning in the warmth of their bedroom, the wife was struck with the pain of learning that sometimes there isn't any more. No more hugs. No more special moments to celebrate together. No more phone calls, just to chat. No more, uh, just one minute. Sometimes what we care about the most gets all used up. And it goes away, never to return before we can say goodbye or, or say I love you. So while we have it, it's best we love it. Care for it. Fix it when it's broken and heal it when it's sick. That's true for marriage and old cars. Children with bad report cars, dogs with bad hips, family and aging parents and grandparents. Life is important. You only have one. We only have one mom, one dad, one unique brother or sister or friend. Suppose one morning you never wake up. Do all your friends know that you love them? I was thinking, I could die today, tomorrow, next week, and I wondered if I had any wounds needing to be healed 
friendships that needed rekindling, or three words, you all know those three words, three words needed to be said. Let every one of your friends and family know you love them. Even if you, even if you think they don't love you back, you'll be amazed at what those three little words and a smile can do. Live today to the fullest. Because tomorrow is not promised. My sermon today comes with homework. Your homework is to write, go home, write a note. I mean, remember when we used to take paper and a pen and we actually wrote? And we put it into an envelope, it's called an envelope, and then you put a stamp on it, you sent it. Or you could make a phone call. Write a note or a phone call to someone you know is hurting. Again, you've got a list. I know you have a list. Just pick one of those out. You do more if you want, but at least one. And let them know that you care. Let them know that God cares. Make sure you say God cares. Will you do it? Please do it. It just might be the one thing that'll brighten their day and maybe even their forever. Do it today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.